name is Emily, and this is In Layman's Terms podcast. Today, I have Dan Springer joining us. He also lives in California. He's in San Diego. I'm currently in Los Angeles. Hi, Dan. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. So Dan has been sober for about 20 years in and out of recovery. He's Sounds like he's had a pretty long, interesting journey. So I'm excited to hear your story, Dan, and see kind of what brought you to where you are today. Well, thanks for the invite. I'm happy to share just one clarification. I've been in recovery for 20 years, but over that time period, just for clarification, Mm -hmm. I have had my share of relapses, which a lot of people referred to as being part of recovery. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So I just want to be upfront and honest about that. Yeah, thank you for the clarification. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and it looks like you've been to about six rehabs and then 18 months ago, it looks like you had a little incident. Are you willing to talk about kind of what triggered you to kind of fall back into a bad place? Sure. Um, I'll give you as much as I can give you because I don't remember a lot of it. Uh, I've been there. <laughs> so, you know, I had, I was sober and um, uh, there was a, my daughter got married and I couldn't be there as a result of my addiction over the years, um, which is you know, very common, a lot of strained relationships with family members. Mm -hmm. Daughter, unfortunately, took the brunt of a a lot of them. Yeah. But, you know, I I could not be there. And um, after watching the live video, I don't remember anything after that. All I know is what my wife told me is that I was uh, found um unconscious and clearly had overdosed wow and four days in the hospital um two intubated and two not yeah wow and then you know that people talk a lot in recovery whether it's 12 step or otherwise as you know different moments of clarity or um having spiritual awakenings I don't like to put it into categories. All I can tell you, it was, I think at that moment that at 55 years old, I I realized that things had to change and that the life that I had been living on and off um, was no longer the life that I wanted to live. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got a, a long career as an executive and then as a, now as a consultant for a lot of different companies around the world and um, got remarried four years ago. I want to make sure I get it right. <laughs> four years ago and we're both in recovery and just too much to live for. I've got two older boys as well. And a father who is still alive at 89, almost 90. And yeah, you got people you want to spend time with. Yeah, I definitely, definitely. And, um, as well as with myself, 
So, you know, the, the journey is one that never ends. As I said last night in a meeting, you know, there are a lot of different things that work for different people. There's no cookie cutter approach to recovery. Some people try to pigeonhole folks in, in recovery who have an addiction. Mine happened to be um, not alcohol, which is the more common. Um, mine was pills. Mine as well. And um, and so, you know, I, I have been on a, a quest through my connections and journeys with other people to you know, just share my story um, without judging, you know, their own story. Um, one of my all-time favorite sayings is that you never look down on someone unless you're giving them a hand up. Not a hand out, but a hand up. And so that's the way I've tried to live my life. Haven't done it perfectly. Um, I don't think there is such thing as perfection. We're always striving to do better, but that's an unachievable goal for me is perfection. It's just, you know, progress every day. Yeah. Little by little, one day at a time, do what you can. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And so remarrying and having your spouse, your wife, that's also that struggles with addiction. How does that affect your guys' relationship? Do you guys, are you guys just a very strong supportive team together or like, I feel like that has to be kind of hard when one of you might have like a slip like you did and she had to then deal with the repercussions of your actions a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, We both had slips. Um, You know, people are on different sides of the fence. Some people think that people in recovery shouldn't be together, get married, have relationships. Um, in In my situation, I believe that, um, it, it is extremely helpful to have someone who understands what addiction is, yes. whether it's to or alcoholism or gambling or sex or whatever it may be, um, because they can relate at a level that, well, regular, normal, whatever that means, mm-hmm. uh, not. So, but we've had our struggles. And yes, it put a strain, you know, when I was... Um, struggling it certainly put a strain on her and and then it was very you know extremely traumatic for her of course I know it was traumatic for me but I don't remember anything for well up until this day I don't remember anything that happened and and so I still seek counseling and therapy to deal with not necessarily that issue since I don't remember it Um, but, uh, just the whole situation of trauma in general, which I created in other people as well as in myself. So, and she's doing the same thing and, you know, she's had a really rough year and COVID COVID has, um, exacerbated the issue tremendously for people around the world. I was talking with someone a little earlier about that as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people tend to put their head in the sand and, and, and just ignore it or, um, you know, kind of look at it as, well, that's maybe my neighbor, but it's not me. Mm -hmm. When, when a 
may be happening under their own roof. And so yeah. I think that there needs to be, you know, you know, um, there has been increased awareness about the fact that, you know, addiction is widespread, but it hasn't gone deep enough. And I think it is so ingrained in uh, different generations, whether it's, you know, the baby boomer generation at the far end, which starts at 69 down to the bottom end, which is where I am. I'm right on the edge of a baby boomer and whatever comes next, which I think is X. There are so many, there's just a lot of misunderstanding, um, not a lot of acceptance of it. And I think that's due to the lack of understanding. And um, I'm hopeful that, you know, this is something that will be a generational challenge. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, it's not really discussed around and like it's very stigmatized. I feel like the word addiction is people really just like don't see it in the same light. I feel like as they do like drinking and alcoholism, I feel like alcoholism and drinking is so very thrown in our faces all the time. Happy hours and this and that. And everyone just kind of acts like so casual about like drinking and going out and like doing whatever. But where the tables turned on some other type of substance, it would be absolutely shamed. It's like, you don't go to happy hour and snort a bunch of pills with your friends, <laughs> but you can go to happy hour and have a bunch of drinks. So I think it is really important to try and fix that. I think we're just really scratching the surface of the deeper issue that surrounds this disease. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that the, pardon me, um, the changes that were made under um, not the last administration, but the previous administration to the healthcare system has actually made things even more complicated because it's harder for people to get help today than it was, you know, eight years ago. Um, wow because of the restrictions on uh, through insurance. Um, but then on the flip side, the whole addiction treatment um, infrastructure has been changed to the point now where it is, um, I think, been bastardized <clears throat> and um, a lot of people are making a lot of money off of addiction, whereas before um, they were still making money. But it's, you know, in, it, just like in any any industry, there is kind of a, a um, dark underbelly, the industry, which has led to a lot of people making a lot of money off the backs of people who are suffering and are addicted. And then... At a, at a more local level, um, you know, independent treatment facilities make money off of the more people that they okay. have in facilities and the, the reimbursement rates have gone up. And um, there's a great Netflix show that is that um, came on. I can't remember if it was this year or last year. 
and I can't remember what it's called. The pharmacist. No, um, it's about addiction, uh, an addiction treatment center. And oh, really? The amount of money that's made off of even like urine samples, um, which are you know you can get for twenty bucks at at Walgreens or any pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, goes to a treatment center the reimbursement rate on it is like two thousand dollars wow so it's just it's uh therein lies you know another epidemic of sorts absolutely it is grounded in money which is where everything is typically always grounded and then the homeless issue and covid has made things even even worse so it's just a it's it's um difficult it's a shame and you know when covid hit and um everything went to zoom Mm -hmm. no i live in a small town um smaller town just south of san diego and I can't tell you the number of people who had years and years of sobriety who have either died, yeah, overdosed, committed suicide, relapsed. Mm-hmm. It's been really hard. I think I've had multiple friends who have relapsed and like with the gyms being closed and just, just like all of your normal things that everyone is doing to like stay on their path. It's just, I feel like they didn't have access to them. And I feel like when this pandemic ends, I feel like it's going to be really interesting as well to see how people are able to navigate getting back into society and like trying to get back to their normal way of life. Yeah, and you know, um, this past Monday, we had our, our very first, I've been going to AA meetings, even though alcohol is not my issue, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I first got into uh, recovery, it, it was really the only thing available, and so it, I just kind of stuck with it. Mm-hmm. We had our first in-person meeting in over a year. Wow. A huge difference between a Zoom meeting and in-person. I bet. um, Because of the fellowship and I go to just, I go to men's meetings. I also go to PA meetings, um, which are are, uh, women and men, but Mm -hmm. just the, the ability to look at someone in the eye, to be able to be vulnerable, in um in front of other at least for me in front of other men mm-hmm. uh, to be able to share those experiences and see see the emotion um, in front of you rather than through a screen because it's really hard to to get there i bet uh, yeah it, it was a, that was emotional uh, in and of itself um but things are opening up and i think it should get you know, I, I think it'll get easier. But then I kind of feel like we are, to a degree, starting all over again and have to get people back in the rooms. And because one of the um, tenets of AA in particular, and we can talk a little bit about my feelings about that, yeah. you know, a program, but um, is, you know, one of the principles is, 
you know, no publicity. We, we are, um, stay away from publicity and, um, um, talking about the program outside of the rooms. It's hard to get people to understand what the resources are that are available. And that is one of them. I like to, um, I often refer to at least my own recovery is kind of like baking a cake. Mm-hmm. And there are all these different ingredients. And I have no idea what cornstarch does, a table teaspoon of cornstarch does to a recipe. But all I know is that if I leave it out, it, whatever I'm cooking isn't going to cook the right way. And so I don't know which of the ingredients uh, is the magic ingredient. It may just be the combination of them. But I know that if I leave one of them out, one of them that works for me, I'm just not willing to take that chance and take that risk. So, you know, AA and 12-step programs are great, but they're not the the answer for everyone. There are other resources out there for people that fit uh, what they need and they mm-hmm. need to a different mold. Yeah, you know, I I haven't done any 12-step programs or done really any of I feel like the traditional like recovery things that people do I honestly kind of got sober on my own Uh, I didn't I was like in my mm, like 24 23 I'm 28 now Um, and like I don't know why I didn't think to like do a 12-step program I I think because I, I probably didn't really share with anyone that I was going through recovery and like, I was very ashamed and embarrassed, I think. So it's interesting to hear how some people love the 12 step program. And then I also hear how sometimes the 12 step program is like this way or the highway. And some people it just like does not work for them. So it's nice to hear how, other people find different pathways or other ways to find that connection to have that kind of outlet. So I would love to know kind of how the 12 steps have helped you over your 20 years and kind of what your thoughts are about them. Well, um, I think there's a lot of value in the, the what's behind the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And there are different forms of the 12 steps that have been practiced for thousands and thousands of years in different religions. In fact, the big book itself um, is, while it was really well written and really well done, um, it's not really original. Um, It's made up of, um, a lot of it's made up from um, one particular part of the Bible, James, a lot of the stories in James, um, philosophers um, and great thinkers of the time. And these two gentlemen were just smart enough to be able to articulate it into a book that, and, you know, even the found quote founders of, of AA, um, uh, Dr. Bob and, and Bill, Dr. Bob, you know, struggled even as he was building up AA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are, it's not a, a, 
program that is the right thing for some people. And I get it. Um, I was gung ho and totally into it for years and then realized that I needed something else. Um, and so I just started doing, you know, um, less meetings and more things that kind of were akin to what were comfortable for me, like, you know, meditation. I'm a writer by trade and, and by business and, um, and then my business itself is a PR and marketing company. And I deal with a lot of health and wellness companies and mm -hmm. that nature. So that to me is, is part of my recovery. It's part of my release. Um, but it, everyone has to find their own path. There is a, there is a systemic problem in um, kind of addiction in general. And that is that there's different pieces of the puzzle, you know? So like when someone, a family member realizes that their son, daughter, husband, wife, whoever it is might be having a, a problem or a struggle. Um, there's really no single or even a, a couple or three or four resources for them to go to. They're spread out all over the place and it's really mm -hmm. hard. to So um, I'm being a little bit preemptive in talking about this, but um, I am working with a number of different investors and starting a basically a care management company mm -hmm. around addiction, similar to what you would find for um, the elderly, um, sure. you know, home care and this and the like, where someone where there's care management throughout the entire process. So there's a there's one place to go where you have a team or an individual who will help you through kind of the early steps or even the mid steps and whether or not going to rehab is the right thing or what is the right wow, decision. That's incredible. That will be so beneficial to people. I would have loved to have something like that. I feel like back when I could yeah. have used that. Yeah. And people need to have, you know, hope. And that's part of what my message is um, to folks out there that are, are struggling is, and it sounds so hokey and colloquial and, um, you know, but people have to have hope that they can get through it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I tell people is if you don't have any, I've got plenty. So if you need to borrow some for a while, get some. So um, it's just, it's tough. It's rough. And the other stigma, because that's one of the things that, you know, you, you are talking about is mm -hmm. that this is a um, an issue that impacts low income uh, families or um, uh, basically low income families, minorities, um, and that it's not. Uh, prevalent in the white collar world and um, that is a complete 
bullshit. <laughs> exactly. I grew up in, I grew up in a, my parents. I mean, they gave me everything. I grew up very blessed. I grew up very fortunate. I grew up from a, in a great town, but still, I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you have or you don't have like addiction will still find you. <laughs> it's like, there is no, it doesn't, one size doesn't fit all. And I feel like people just think that yeah addiction is like they're junkies they're homeless people it's like not joe or paul sitting next to you at the coffee shop it couldn't be him couldn't be this guy running this business there's no way so i think it's really important that people do understand that it can addiction affects everyone and sometimes you just literally have no clue absolutely i mean i i you know, my addiction really hit me really hard in my, I would say in my late 20s, early 30s. And at that time I was married, I had three kids. I was um, vice president of a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. And yet, you know, here I am talking yeah. to you about it very, you know, near and dear to my heart and, um, that's the stigma that needs to be removed. Um, and it's going to take really a movement yeah. uh, to get that done. And I do think it's going to take years if it ever, if it ever does. Yeah. Happen. But, you know, I'll give you, you know, my, I don't want to get him too involved, but I have one of my sons who, yeah. Um, has never left my side through all of it. He's mm -hmm. gotten angry. You know, he's called me out. He's sure, but out of love. Done all the things that he should have done, but you no, know, he gets it. He understands it. And I, I told them from an, you know, somewhat early age or at the age when it was appropriate that because um, he asked me one time, you know, is it okay for me to talk about your struggles with my friends mm -hmm. and I whatever you need to do for yourself um, to heal yeah, from it and potentially help someone who might be in trouble you do yeah go um, right ahead I don't care I, I think it's important to um, that's why my anonymity to me um, doesn't matter if I don't get a <clears throat> consulting job or a job as a result of it, then it just wasn't meant to be. And yeah, exactly. Everything that I went through in my addiction has now led me to this place, which is sharing my story and hopefully helping others. So it's like everything has its place. It might not be the best or the funnest ride to get there, but you know, at the end, there is hopefully that light at the end of the tunnel. I'm glad that I was able to kind of get to this spot and be able to connect with people like you and listen to other people's stories and connect and share. I think that's just so important to share other people's stories and just really spread the word. Absolutely. I am, you know, the, I, I think a large part of the, the, the stigma issue is just ignorance and not understanding. Yeah. 50% um, and these are 
statistics that are fairly current, but 50% of the people who are, who become addicts are genetically predisposed to it. The other 50%, uh, it could be environmental factors. It could be um, mental health issues, uh, whatever it may be, but there are, you know, hardcore scientifics, this, um, data and statistics that talk about the fact that, you know, there is a genetic component to this. And then you get into this discussion about, you know, the choice part of it. And, you know, I got that. Um, I don't speak to my brother. Um, he doesn't speak to me, mm -hmm. I should say. I've tried to, um, but that ship sailed a, a long time ago. And, you know, he's one of those people that believes that it's a choice. Now, I do believe that when, um, you know, after you've been through your at least one bout of it and you understand what the ramifications are, um, that at that point, when you're educated enough about knowing what, you know, what the consequences can be, because mm -hmm. my consequences are, if I told you my entire story, um, you know, it's not, I'm not terminally unique and my story isn't unique, but it's pretty dramatic. You know, it's involved arrests and police and, you know, the, all those things. Um, but I do believe that at some point, you know, once I put something into my body, I make the choice or, or I put something into my body, um, after that, my ability to choose has been removed. And that's because, um, the brain keeps track of all of this stuff and, and then it just becomes a physiological need and it takes something dramatic to stop it. Now, um, one of my, one of my sayings is that, you know, at some point it's going to come to, it has to come to an end, whether it's you run out of money, mm -hmm. fail, dead, you know, in a long-term institution, or you wind up, you know, with, impaired cognitive abilities um at some point it's got to end so why even start you know if it's going to end but that's just well, it's like you know we know drugs are bad like i know taking this percocet is probably a bad idea like it <laughs> but yet we still end up making that bad choice <laughs> like my <laughs> I grew up, my dad's sister uh, was a heroin addict and a junkie my whole life. Growing up, it was the only thing I've ever known. My dad told my siblings and I from a very young age the ramifications of drugs and how bad drugs are for you and like what can happen. And, you know, like my aunt had been hospitalized a few times. My dad um, had taken me with him to see her in the hospital. Like she had had scabies and she had had like a paranoia freak out where she thought like spiders were like crawling out of her skin. So it's like, I saw like what drugs can do to you. I see, I saw the wear and tear. I saw 
like the bad, like I saw where it can take you, but yet I still ended up on that path. And like, I don't know if I'm just like really fucking hard headed or like, you know, you just have to learn things like on your own and learn the hard way. I feel like I definitely learn like that. I think it's because we think we're different. It's not going to happen to us. That's right. Um, like, how do we like, yeah, it's like all this time went by after I was using drugs and abusing the substance. And I'm like, okay, where did like the last like three or four years of my life go? It just like happened so fast. I like didn't even realize that it was like slipping away and that it was gone until like all the time had passed. And I was like, okay, like what happened? Like, how did I let myself get here yeah it, it is scary to look back you know um at at all of those issues which is you know it's taken me a while but which is why i you know i've gone in and out of you know therapy to try to address okay. some of those um and that helps, you know, it helps to have an objective third party talk in. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it it um, it comes down to, you know, personal responsibility and being accountable for yourself and self-care. Um, and, you know, getting out of that that because, you know, addiction is inherently selfish. Um, you know, we do it, but we don't realize the impact that it's having on the people around us. Yeah. And, you know, my dad, God bless him, you know, he's, you know, gonna be 90. And when my mom was alive, you know, she was there and, and supportive, but, you know, that man never, He's always loved me, mm -hmm. uh, even when he was pissed off and angry and had every right to be mm -hmm. and didn't trust me and um, couldn't believe a word that came out of my mouth and all those things. Unfortunately, you know, we've been able to rebuild our relationship um, to the point now where he does trust me, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and we laugh and we, you know, that's it, it, awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful. Unfortunately, he's alive. And yeah, and you got to make those amends. That's really special. It sounds like you have a really amazing dad and you sound yeah. supportive, which is so, so important. Very much so. So, you know, my hope is that, um, you know, when he does go, you know, because I, I, I can't predict the future mm -hmm. that that is maintained and it's, you know, still in place. Yeah. I bet so it's, it's been a rough road with, you know, family and, you know, my daughter doesn't talk to me. Um, yeah. I'm sure that's so hard. It, it is, but you know, I've done my, everything I can do on my end. Now it's a, just got to, wait and mm -hmm. and but i'm i'm okay i'm okay um however it goes because i am at peace with myself 
Yeah. And that's the most important part, I think, is as long as you can be with that peace with yourself and that you know that you've done everything that you can do to make those amends. And then, I mean, there's that's all really you can do. You just have to then in hopes. It is. Um, and, you know, the, the whole amends process, I think people don't under I had a discussion the other day you know, with my wife about this, the amends process in the 12 step context um, is not about apologizing. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with accepting responsibility for our actions and the word amends itself means to change. Um, and sometimes it's just a lifetime of showing that you've changed. And yeah. that's um but you know a lot of people use it as a, a tool and if it works for them that's great to apologize and so on and so forth but you know there are so many times you can apologize for doing the same thing yeah before it becomes the the boy or girl who cried wolf you know people just don't want to hear it they just want yeah. to see that you've changed and that's that's what's most important. It absolutely is. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and learn about you. And, you know, anytime you you come across something and you want, you know, to double up and talk some more about this stuff, I'd be um, happy to do so. And when this new business unfolds it'll probably take about a year i'd love to come back on and yeah i want updates on that that i think is going to be really awesome i think what you're doing with that is so important so i would love to have you back and be kept in the loop and any other type of topic that would be lovely absolutely i'd love it thank you so much emily i appreciate it thank you dan Thank you for joining us today on this episode, and hopefully we could put this lesson into layman's terms. See you guys next episode.